You know what? Life can be difficult. You didn't need me to tell you that, did you? I think we're all aware of that. Life can be difficult. I want to talk about difficult times today. Because most of us, at some point in our lives, during a difficult time, we have, or we will, wonder if God's really doing us right. During difficult times, many people are tempted to believe that the difficult times that we're in is evidence that God's not really on our side all the time. I mean, we even say things like, what have I done to deserve this? Sometimes we think to ourselves, if God wants me to trust Him, He really ought to better start improving my life. Or if God would just show up and and prove to me that God's here and that God cares. We're in week number two of wilderness survival. We're focusing on Jesus' time in the wilderness as found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And last week we looked at Jesus' response to the devil when the devil suggested to Jesus, who was hungry after a long fast, that he turned the stones into bread. And Jesus answered with Scripture. He said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So last week we looked at four wilderness survival tips. Anybody remember any of the four? Well, it had to do with reading the Bible. Okay, And that sermon's still here on my uh, iPad. We can just go to it. Four things. What's the first thing we do with the Word of God? We're doing it right now. We're hearing it. What's the second thing we do with the Word of God? Read it. What's the next thing we do with the Word of God? And what's the last thing we do with the Word of God? Ah, you know it. You know it. I didn't. I knew you did. So those are the four things that we can do and we should do because they will help us prepare for the wilderness. But this week, we're not really going to look at what we should be doing. We're going to look at something that we should not be doing. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 4, pick it up in verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now see, the devil's quoting scripture too. So you've got to be careful, because the devil's sharp. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I got to tell you, sometimes we kind of brush that little passage aside because, well, I mean, just speaking for myself, I've never really been tempted to crawl up on the top of the church, throw myself off and say, God, if you're real, catch me. It just hasn't been a temptation of mine. But there's a larger issue going on here. And to understand what Jesus is talking about, we need to understand the passage from where Jesus gets his quote and what that passage is talking about. In each of the temptations that we have uh, in the story of Jesus in the wilderness, they come from this sermon that Moses was preaching shortly before his death, uh, shortly before the Israelites would finally enter into the promised land. 
And uh, in today's passage, Jesus is quoting from Moses in Deuteronomy 6.16, where Moses says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Hmm, Massa. What is Massa? Well, in order to understand what Jesus is getting at, we got to understand what happened at Massa. So let's kind of put ourselves for a few minutes in the place of these ancient Israelites. They had lived for two generations as nomads. I mean, you know, the stories in the Sunday school classes, they were lost in the wilderness. They weren't lost. They knew exactly where they were. Have you ever looked at that wilderness that they were in? It didn't take 40 years to get across. The only reason they didn't enter into the promised land is because they weren't ready. And God knew they weren't ready. They were nomads. And so they would go to one area and they would camp for a season or two until all the resources were used up. Then they would all pack up and they would go to another region and they would camp there and set up until all the resources. And so when they were camped out in the evening and at night, their religious leaders would tell stories. This was every night because this is all they had to do for entertainment. And the religious leaders would tell stories about God. And they'd sit around the campfire and they'd hear these stories about how God had miraculously saved them uh, from slavery in Egypt. And then they would hear these stories about how God had miraculously parted the sea and they were able to go across and then the Egyptians got caught in it. And and they heard these stories about how God had miraculously sent manna from heaven to feed them. Now this was all in their past. But God had made promises for their future. And God had promised that they would enter a land of abundance. And they, they really, they were almost there. They were looking at it and they were getting it together and they were going to be in there pretty soon. So, so they had seen what God had done in the past and they, had, they had knew what God had promised for them in the future. But their problem was their present circumstance. And often our problem is our present circumstance. And that's, that's why, and this is, I, I want to tell you young people especially, because this is the danger you're going to face. This is why so many Christians drift away from the church at some point. Because they had been people who would go to church and praise God for the good things. And, and they're young, and they're healthy, and, and, and things are going great in their life. And yeah, I'm praising God. And then the families are young, and yeah, I'm praising God. But you know what? Then life happens, and, and they're in the wilderness. And they say, where is God now? This isn't fair. I go to church. I worship God. Why is this happening to me? Now, for the ancient Israelites... Their present circumstances, they didn't have any water. And I got to tell you, that, that's, that's a reason to be concerned. But Israel had a lot of experience and evidence with God in the past, and God came through. And you and I have some of that evidence too, I believe. They had evidence from the past that God was true, that God was trustworthy, So why was their present situation so worrisome? Well, because they, like we, sometimes we just don't trust God. This brings us to putting God to the test. 
the Israelites, they looked around and said, why has God brought me here? I guess God can't be trusted. They said, look at this scary and dangerous place where God has led me. And their attitude was, if God, you come through with what I need, then I'll follow you. If you come through with what I need, I'll go back to church and worship you once again. If you come through. Let's take a look at the stories from Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place, that's because they were nomads, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rebidim, uh, but there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called that place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is what we often say in our times of trial. Is God really with me or not? Their lack of water caused them to question whether or not God was on their side. And that all that God had done in the past really didn't matter at that point. All that God had promised for the future really didn't matter at that point. All that mattered at that point was their present circumstance. Because it was frightening. But because of that frightening circumstance and their lack of trust, they couldn't believe that God was there. They couldn't believe that God was trustworthy and loyal. The ancient Israelites tested God by telling God, you've got to prove it over and over again, God. You've got to prove it over. You've got to prove it over again, God. That's testing God. Prove yourself to me, God. And that's what Jesus is referring to when he says, it's all also written do not put the Lord your God to the test. So in other words, Jesus was saying, don't make God prove to you that God is faithful and that God is present. Now Jesus was facing a similar situation, really, that the ancient Israelites were facing in the wilderness. And like those ancient Israelites, Jesus could have looked back, and I'm sure he did, he could have looked back at God's kindness it was just 40 days before this took place that Jesus was baptized, the heavens parted, the voice of God came down and said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased with. And you know what? Jesus had a great promise for the future too, just like the Israelites. I mean, as the son of God, Jesus was, was promised uh, to rule over all creation at the right hand of the Father. But it was his present circumstance that was tempting, and that's why he was tempted. He hadn't been carried to glory. Imagine if God says, I'm going to make you the king of creation. Oh, wait, uh, let's go out to the desert where you're going to starve. 
Jesus faced a very real temptation to question God. And he faced the same question that the Israelites faced. And he faced the same question that you and I face. But Jesus answered by reminding himself of a truth found in the Bible. He went to Scripture. And that's why we should listen and read and study and memorize. Like the ancient Israelites and like Jesus, you and I are on a journey through life that often brings us into the wilderness. Sometimes it's God that brings us there. Sometimes we just make a wrong turn. Sometimes it's our health. Sometimes it's relationships. Most of the time, it's just life. But we have been there. Maybe you're there today. And like Jesus, I think we should look back on the kindness of God in our past. Because each of us have personal ways in which our lives have been blessed in the past. We know it. We've been here to worship God after those times, and it was great. Yes, you've blessed me. Thank you. And, and not only that, we have, we have the promise of the Scripture of how much God loves for us. Jesus died for us. There's no greater act of love that will ever be demonstrated to you in your life than that. We have every reason to believe in God's goodness and the promises in fact, God has given us great promises for the future. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of the great promises? Anybody? Yes. Let's look at some of those promises. If we really believe it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 2, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love a man. Now, if, if you've read Paul's letters, he gets caught up into heaven. So he gets a vision and he's saying, you know what? You can't conceive it. He couldn't write about it. He says, whoo, it blew my mind. Well, that's not really what he said, but I think it's kind of what he said. Philippians 3.20, he wrote this. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. What could be more valuable in our lives than knowing that we're going to spend eternity in glory? So we have been blessed. We have unimaginable blessings that await us. But we live in the present. And sometimes the present is difficult. We suffer. We struggle with health, with life, with death, with relationships, with sin. We let one another down. Life can be painful and difficult and disappointing. And so we are often tempted to ask, where is God in all of this? Moses and Jesus, they tell us that we must, put our, we must not put God to the test. Because to test God means more than saying, hey God, how about a miracle? To test God is to insist, to test God is to insist that God prove to us 
that God can be trusted in our present situation. Trusting God is when we look at our present circumstances and say, I have no idea how I can get through this, but God does. That's trusting God. Testing God is saying, I don't know how I can get through this. I guess God has left me. So we can interpret our trouble as evidence that God is indifferent, but we'd be wrong because God loves us. Maybe the advice from the psalmist is something we need to pay attention to. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In, uh, in Matthew, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, it's words from Jesus too. And uh, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And he's talking about the people that, that are seeking God and trusting God. Blessed are them for they will see God. And that word in the Greek is really experience. And so I think when we live a life constantly reminding ourselves of the presence of God, if we're going to Scripture and being reminded of the presence of God, we will see God even in the desert, even in the wilderness. The um, past 18 months have been difficult in my life, in, in my wife's life. Uh, her health is not good. And um, that's our wilderness. We're not unique in that we're in the wilderness and you're not. You're in the wilderness, many of you. And some of you I, I know better than others and I know where you've been and what you're going through. And some of you I don't know, but I know you've been or you will be. And I know it's tempting because, man, I've been tempted to say, come on, God. How about a little help here? You know what? God has saved me for eternity. I don't know how much more help I could get. God has promised me eternal life in His presence. I don't know how much more help I could get. In this world, we will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart. He said He had overcome the world, and we will too. And so let us put our trust. And I would encourage you when you're in the wilderness and you wonder where God is, go to Scripture. You'll be reminded. Call a, a trusted Christian friend. You'll be reminded. You'll be prayed with. Because you're not alone. Jesus walked through the wilderness as well. And you're not alone. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks. We praise your name for your faithfulness and your presence with us. Even when we doubt, you're still there. Our doubt doesn't push you away. Even when we're unfaithful, you're faithful. 
And so, Lord, we pray for one another this morning, for all of those who are finding themselves in the wilderness, who are finding themselves in difficult situations. I pray, Lord, that that each and every one of us would just trust in you and know that you're there with us and you, you feel our pain. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.